We're having fun with this series. I got to tell you, it's been uh, really fun to prepare for it. We've been looking forward to it all summer, and finally it's here, and you kind of go, wow, we're going to tackle some stuff. We Pressure points, we're calling it that because we're, the topics that we are choosing over these next uh, 11 weeks are difficult. We talked in the beginning of this year that we are going to be a church that in a relevant way, we, we are not afraid of the controversial issues that our world is bringing us, and we need to just talk about it. So I'm just going to say, you're not going to agree with everything in this series that's said, some of you. Um, you know, we have Democrats and Republicans in this room. We have people who really lean this way or that way in terms of theology. We have, But there are, there, we are a church that has agreed that we're going to let the Bible set the course for what our faith is. And so how many of you will just say right now you're okay that we can on some things uh, disagree agreeably? So we're, it's, we're going to provoke some thought in you. So if you leave kind of frustrated about something because it's not your view, just take it to the Lord, pray about it. Don't just leave mad. And then a few of the weekends are kind of PG-13. Um, so if you, if you have your kids in here, just make sure you're talking to them about especially sexuality and some of the stuff we're going to talk about there. Just make sure that you're having conversations. But it's really important. We're not trying to do anything that is trying to shock you. or We're just trying to say, what does the Bible say about these things? And how can we get our head and our heart around what is right? Today I'm talking about this idea of loss and tragedy when bad things happen in the world. Um, has anything bad happened in the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff. And so I started thinking about how could I best communicate this to you. And I, I, I want to know how many of you have ever had a season in your life or a moment in your life when you said, why, to God? Yeah, I've had them lots of times. I've had them when I'm angry at God. I've had them when I'm devastated in sorrow. And the why God question is going to forever be around. Would you agree? Do you think it's bad to ask that question? I don't at all. I think it's important to ask the question. That's what keeping it real is all about. So today, we're going to keep it real and talk about some tough stuff. I want to, I, I want to just make a statement that I think you can agree or not agree, but what I have learned in pastoring all these years is that so many believers, for some reason... They think that they are exempt from the sorrow and the pain and the tragedy that this earth brings us. And you're not exempt. If it started raining right now and you walked out to your car and you said, well, I'm a Christian, I'm not going to get any rain on me, God will protect me from that, you are going to be disappointed because it's going to mess your hair up unless you're me. But so many believers are just shocked that something bad or tragedy or loss comes into their family or their life or cancer or disease or an accident and they just can't believe this would happen. I want to tell you something, folks. We are on the earth. This is not heaven. And we are not exempt. So how's that for a depressing start? It gets worse. John chapter 16. I'm going to read you a passage that at the end of all these words, Jesus makes this statement. We rarely talk about this or preach on this. 
Listen carefully. Jesus says, I have told you all of this, and you can read the whole chapter, John 16. I've told you all of this so that you may have what? Peace in who? Me. Peace in the Lord. And then he says, here on earth, let me promise you something. Here on earth you will have many trials and many sorrows. Now I bet that's not hanging on your refrigerator. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. What that means is, if you abide in me, you will have peace when those trials and that sorrow hits your life. You still may not understand it. You still may have questions, but you've got me and I'm going to be there with you. He's promised to never leave us or forsake us. But there's some challenges with some of the stuff we're going to deal with. Number one in your outline in your program are typical answers. Okay? I'm just going to, I'm just going to bullet through some passages here that, uh, I want you to hear because these are, these are not bad answers. They're, they're Bible. They're true. They're real. But I want you to just think about these particular passages. Romans 5 verse 3. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Well, praise God. We know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Yay. James 1, let's continue. Verse 2, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You won't believe it. I lost my job. My car broke down. This is the best day of my life. You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed... You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. But when I'm in that mess, I don't care about all that. I'm just hurting. I'm just sad. I don't want the trial. I don't want the trouble. I don't want the issue. I don't want that prognosis. I don't want that disease. I want to be well. I want to be healthy. I want to live. I don't want anything to touch me that's bad. But it will. And it has. And it does. So without looking at a bigger picture, when we look at verses like this, those are the refrigerator verses, by the way. When we, if you have a steady diet of that, you're going to be disillusioned as a believer. Are those true? Yes. But there are many other places in Scripture that absolutely warn us and tell us that in this life you're going to have trouble. But know that I'm going to be with you through it all the way to the end. And that's what we have to focus on right now today. So these places have a verse, but let's pay attention to the bigger picture in our life. Number two in your outline is this. Let's talk about expectations. Let's talk about expectations. Because if we have the right expectations, it's, it's more unlikely that we're going to be confused or angry at God if we have the right expectations of what we expect from God. So here's what I want to do. I have a little a drill here that I think... It'll, it'll help us. Our cameras, we've been having problems. They've been kind of going in and out, so I'm glad to see that they're working right now. We've got to get a new SG board or something like that. It's like $150,000, so when we take the offering later, if you guys wouldn't mind, someone could just get out there, start writing that check now, take a while to fill out. Um, I'm not kidding. Um, so, anyway, 
Anyway, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you, I want to do a little drill with you, okay? Now, I want you to just, in your mind, I don't want you to talk to anyone else about this around you. I want you to just pick a number in your mind, any number you want. But you might keep it simple because you're going to add to it, take away from it, multiply it. So, so don't make it too hard on yourself or we'll be here a long time. Okay, so everybody have a number? Okay, don't say it to anyone else in your mind. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just, I want you to just double it, times it by two. Just double that number in your mind. How many of you are already having problems? Okay, if you are, then we're, we're in trouble. I would like to, for you now to add 10 to that number. Add 10. Just, just say, I'm going to add 10 to that number. And then, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you cut that number in half? Okay? Just cut it in half. Everybody there? The last thing I want you to do is I want you to subtract the number you started with up here from the number you have in your head right here. Okay? The number that you now have in your mind is the number five. Because I'm so powerful, I made all of you start with the same number and you didn't know it. Now, this, this is a math, wanna try it one more time? Well, we'll do it real fast. Pick a different number. Pick a different number. Okay. Times it by two, double it. This time, why don't you add, why don't you add, uh, 15? Is that too tricky? Add 15. The next one's going to throw you off. Cut it in half. Oh, no. You've got decimal points. <laughs> if you mess it up, you're not going to have the right answer, and you're going to flunk today's lesson. How many of you think you got it? Okay, now subtract the number you started with from the number you currently have. In your brain, you have the number 7.5. How many of you did not have seven and a half? You need to work on your math. Here's how I know that. Here's how I know that. This is a math equation that always works. Always, every time. It's just a, it it will never fail. And here's why it works. Is you basically, whatever number you tell them to add in this equation, if you go through this formula, it's going to end up being half of the number you tell them to add. If I said add 100, you would end with the number 50. If I say 15, you add with 7.5. If I say 20, you add with 10. Because if you, if you really look at this carefully, it cancels out all the numbers that you started with when you cut it in half and you, you subtract the number you started with. That's the only number in the equation. I won't explain it any farther if you don't get it. But here's my point. That doesn't lie. It's math. Numbers don't lie. They don't have feelings. It's not subjective. Matter of fact, parents, learn this equation. You'll drive your kids crazy. Okay? They'll think you're really smart for once. I, I think about these things, and I think this is important for what I want to do and how I want to talk to you about God and some of the things that never change as it relates to laws of science that God has put into place. And it's shocking to believers to think that these laws apply to us. But I want you to go to point three. And I want you to fill in some important concepts of God-sized principles. God-sized principles. Now, the first one in your notes right there, under God-sized principles, 
would just be a little word. I'll write it up here. It's just a little word called gravity. How many of you believe in gravity? Good. See this ball? It's dropping because gravity is pulling it down. I can actually throw it up and it still comes back down. Why doesn't it keep going up? Because there's a, there's a pull toward the earth called gravity. God put gravity on the earth. You don't have to believe it's real, but it still exists. You don't have to believe in it, but it's still a fact that affects your life. As a matter of fact, the surface of the earth right now is moving at 25,000 miles per day, every 24 hours. The surface of the earth, the surface where we are now is going almost 1,000 miles an hour. Hold on to your seat. (laughs) If gravity suddenly went away, we would be everywhere in space. But we don't feel it or know it because God has a law out there that keeps us safe. It keeps us in place. It keeps us still. However, my good friend Terry, who is a pastor in Denver, was hiking in the Himalayans with my nephew Craig, Stephen Sherry's son, when he was on the side of a cliff and a yak was in the way and the yak headbutted him. Knocked him off the cliff and he died. Because of the law of gravity. God didn't say to that yak, I want you to run over there and knock that dude off the cliff. God has laws in place that have an impact on the way we live because of gravity. There are other laws in place through science. Let me just, that next one, science right there. I'll just put the initials, mass and velocity. Mass and velocity really matter when it comes to science. If you, for instance, if you have, let me just see if I can't draw this. You probably don't know what this is yet, do you? Let's see here. Let's do this. This might help. This will really help. This will really help. We've got it's a train. How many of you can see a train in there somewhere? We got a little guy sitting up here. He's smiling. He's happy. He's driving the train. We got the tracks going across here. And we got a little man standing on the tracks. Is that a problem? In terms of equation, just listen to what you will read if you Google or look up momentum or mass and velocity. The momentum of an object is equal to the mass of the object times the velocity of the object. Where M is the mass and V is the velocity, momentum is directly proportional to an object's mass and directly proportional to an object's velocity. Now that we all understand. A train engine in our culture today can weigh over 200 tons. If that train mass is going 50 miles an hour, velocity happens. 
If a man stands and thinks he's going to stop that train going 50 miles an hour, is he going to be successful? Ever? Not even once? No. Because that's, that's a law of science that isn't going to change. And these laws of science are so predictable, that's why we can send someone to the moon, is because you can measure the weight of gravity and velocity and mass, and you can predict. You have apps on your phone that tell you exactly when the sunrise and sunset is, exactly when it's high tide and low tide. Why? Because God's laws of science are predictable. As Christians, we forget this, and somehow we want to explain it away. But these are facts that are real. These are God-created laws of science that do not change ever. Why is this so important? Let me tell you why it's important. Because we start asking the question, can God ever intervene? Which I'm glad to say, yes! Why? Because He's the Creator, not the created. That's huge. And so He can intervene with the laws He has created. We are in an environment on earth that is less than God wanted for us when we were created in the Garden of Eden. This is so important. We sinned, we messed it up. And we've got to remember that this is not heaven. This is not our final place. That's why Jesus tells His disciples, on this earth, you're going to have sorrow, you're going to have tragedy, there's going to be accidents. Why? Because there are laws in place that can take us out. It's important, too, that if you believe in the free will of man, as I do, that you better make good decisions about your life and you could make decisions that push you away from your plan, the plan God has for you in your life. If you choose to step in front of a train, it may kill you and it is not God's fault other than creating mass and velocity and gravity. And that's the reality that we live in. That is why we must live with caution. Um, what I eat could kill me. Certain bug bites can kill me. What I do, like driving, could kill me. Swimming could kill you. Hiking, flying in airplanes, all of these have the potential to scientifically kill me. Now, let's all, let's all run home and sit in our chairs. <laughs> hey, you be an adventurer. God is with you. Get out there and get it done. Don't live scared. But by, are you following my point? There are certain laws in place that you need to pay attention to that have nothing to do with God being mad or angry or getting even. It's just where we live right now. This is not our final home. But we live in a place where there are laws of science that cause tragedy to happen. So when I have tragedy in my life, as I've had recently in the loss of dear friends... I don't shake my fist at God and say, why did you allow this to happen? I understand that accidents happen in this life because that's what this life offers. is isn't God's fault. I don't blame Him. And then it leads me to a question, and I have two questions that I want to ask you. Number four in your outline is, what is faith? 
What is faith really? If we have these laws of science and they're not going to change, then why believe in God? Why do anything around God? What's the point? It's kind of a fatalistic view. Just to say, I wake up, I'm going to die, it doesn't matter. Well, I want to tell you, it does matter. Pay attention to this. Faith is trusting God that He can make exceptions to these laws of science whenever He chooses to. He does not choose to as often as I want Him to. And His choices do not revolve around what I want or suggest. That's called the sovereignty of God. And if you can't handle that, then you do not have faith in the way that will allow you to serve God with joy. That's the wrestling match in people's lives all the time. I've seen God intervene. I've watched it happen in my life. I see in Scripture that He intervenes all the time. He raised up a dead person. That's against the law of science. Um, He healed many people when He walked around on the earth. He healed them of leprosy, uh, being crippled, blind, deaf. He he healed them. You know what's ironic, ironic about that, though? All the people He healed still died. Why'd they die? He healed them. Because we are on earth and we die as long as we live on earth. All of us are going to die of something. Right? Do you wish you could choose? I'm not sure what I would choose. Sometimes we talk about that. God can defy science of mass and velocity I've heard testimonies of a car that's going off a cliff and people witness the fact that the car floated back up onto the road. Why? God intervened. I don't know why He did it then and not some other time. I don't know why. I just know that God can intervene if He wants to. I think we're all going to be stunned when we get to heaven someday and the light comes on and we recognize all the times that God has intervened in our lives. I can think of two specific times that I might have died in accidents that God might have, might have spared me. And, and one of them especially was because I was really being stupid. And I thought I would hear an amen to that note, but... <laughs> I had a hang gliding accident when I was 16 years old that that probably should have taken my life. But I made really bad decisions. Hang gliding is not evil or wrong. But I I made a lot of mistakes in not having the right instructor or equipment and trying to make blah, blah, blah. But that wreck woke me up and I thought, I'm not doing that again. But I know all of us probably have moments in our lives where we go, okay, pay attention because God can intervene God does have a plan for our lives. But if you believe in free will, as I said, you can walk out here and step in front of a truck and die. God has nothing to do with that other than the laws of science that He has put in place. You know, it's interesting to me that Jesus walked on water. That defies the laws of science. But He did it. Why did He do it? I think He did it to defy the law of science. He was saying, I'm the creator of that rule, and so I'll just go ahead and do this. But what's even more fascinating to me is that Peter in the boat still can't believe it. And he goes, dude. Well, maybe not. Whatever the word was then. If that's really you, then let me walk on the water. And what happens? He gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. 
Because this blows theologians away because they're, they're, it's easy for them to go, oh yeah, Jesus, Son of God, we expected He could walk on the water. I think that's why He let Peter walk on the water is because He's saying, I can do this for humans. I can do this for you. I can create supernatural moments for human beings who don't have that power. Faith matters. I think about the miracle of turning the water into wine. This is one of my, my favorite miracles because it's the first miracle Jesus does. And it's his mother saying, do something about this. I just think that's awesome. It's like, son, we're out of wine. I know who you are. Let's take care of this. So, so Jesus is like, oh, great. Fill up all these, you know, you know the story. And what's fascinating is I don't think he just clicked his finger and it became wine. I think he blew past the aging process of a fermented grape. I think he knew the process that it would take and go through. And he brought that aging process in an instance. Why? Because he's God. And he knew how to do that. It's ironic that at the end they said, wow, who saves the best wine for the last? Most, most of the time they do this up front to impress you. Jesus, that aging process meant nothing to him because he brought it in that moment. Why? I think just to make scientists go crazy. I still pray for protection over my kids, over my family. Over this church. See, well, it doesn't matter if a bomb hits the building, it hits the building. Tornadoes wipe churches out. Look at Baton Rouge. We're partnering with churches that don't exist anymore physically. They just got wiped out. It can happen. Why? These laws of science are real. We're, we're not exempt from them. When I pray for my kids, I pray for protection. I pray for several things. Wisdom to make good decisions. That matters a lot. I pray for discernment about dangerous situations. You ever been in a situation and the Holy Spirit said, you need, to, you need to get out of here? And if you're listening, then you might just be empowered to make a good decisions and, and, and make, a, make a change, make a move. God can lead us and guide us. But I want to go to the last point, number five. Will I ever fully understand God? Say the answer with me. Ready? No. At least not on this earth. No, I won't. Can I live with that? See, that's the problem, is when you really like who you are and you have a really good brain and you're really smart and you can figure most things out, you have a real hard time saying, I don't understand, but I believe anyway. It's kind of like how you felt with the math, math equation. You didn't know that it was just an equation that's going to work every time. But you could easily have fun with that to make people believe that you have some type of supernatural power but it's not. It's, it's just an equation. And so in my life, one of the things that I, I really try to do is I think about the why question a lot. I rarely say why God. I've said it. I've said it in anger. But I think at this stage of my life, I sort of already usually know the answer. Mass and velocity won that day. Gravity won that day. I wish that plane hadn't fallen out of the sky. Was God there? Yeah. Was He with those people? Yes. 
Can I believe that? That He's a kind God? Yes. Ken, Ken and Debbie Summers were here last night in our Saturday night service, and they were sitting right over here where you guys are sitting. And, and I, I looked over at Ken, whose West Nile virus almost took his life. We've told his story. Many of you know him, at least on the screen and stuff. Wrote a book about it. God, God wasn't up in heaven and said to his angels, Hey, get that mosquito over there with West Nile and send it down to Ken because he has been very naughty. We're going to get him. We're going to teach him a lesson. See, that's, that's how some people view God. But we live in a place, we live in a place in our world where people all over the world don't take good care of water. And insects and bugs and mosquitoes. Mosquito is the number one killer in the world. Because it can transport terrible things. Some of these things could be fixed, but it's too big of a problem to solve all of it. This mosquito got Ken while he was out on a jog. It had nothing to do with God. Has God been with Ken and Debbie? Yes. Has He helped them? Has He helped sustain them? Has He given them strength? Has He used this tragedy? Yes, He has. Will I ever understand the why? Not on this side of heaven. But here's what I do know, and this is very, very important. Heaven is yet to come, and none of these problems will be there in that space. None of those problems will be there in that space. That is why our faith and trust in God is so very important. I will trust this place called earth. This is going to sound negative. I really want you to hear me. This place called earth, it's trying to destroy us viruses and parasites and cancers. The evil one who has domain on the earth, dominion, listen, he wants to maim you. He wants to attack you. He wants to accuse you. He wants to addict you. He wants to embitter you. He wants to enrage you. He wants you to live less than in faith of a God who you do not understand. But I'll tell you, in my life and watching all of this stuff happen and seeing all these rules, and these, I still believe that my best option in my life with my limited understanding is to put my whole life in Him. To set myself in His hands and say, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know how I'm going to die. But I know this, better that I trust you with that than trust me. Would you take my life and spin me however you want to? Because suddenly, death, where is thy sting? If I live ready to die, grave has no victory over me. Why? Because I have a mission bigger than me. And I'm in the hands of a God who loves me and that I trust with all of my heart. Pray with me, would you please? Lord, here on earth... You will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Thank you that you intervene. Thank you that you have called us, your kids, to pray for one another. And to pray for miracles. So we're going to do that today. I want you to think this through. If you need a miracle from God that defies the laws of science, it's bigger than you can do on your own. It's bigger than you can fix. There's no other answer except for God to show up and make this happen. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and we're going to pray for you. And I want you right now, 
to say to the Lord, I'm about to put my life in a faith situation, trusting whatever the outcome, that you will be with me. But we're called to pray. And we're a church that prays. So if you need a miracle, a God moment, that defies the laws of nature, that's beyond man's capability at this point in time, would you please stand to your feet? We're simply going to pray for you. Praise God. I would like for the people around, the people standing, you don't even have to know their name, you don't have to say anything to them, but I want everyone to have someone next to them with a hand on their shoulder. Would you stand up next to them? or If they're in front of you or behind you, look around and see who's standing. We call this our living room because it's family. And this matter, this moment matters a lot. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith. I want you to pray in agreement with me as the body of Christ. We're doing what the Bible tells us to do. Lord Jesus, you're the healer of disease. You can push back anything. You can overrule and defy the laws of nature because you created them and you are God. You know how to fix our bodies, our mind, our spirit. We plead with you on this day, in this moment, to do the miracle that is necessary to repair these human beings. You've said we could ask in faith, and we know you love us. And we might not understand the whys, but we commit to trusting your decision more than ours. We place ourselves fully in your hands, and we trust you on this day to do in us what you want to do in us because you love us and you have a plan for our future. In your mighty name we pray it. Amen. You can be seated. I want to pray for one more thing before we go. If you wouldn't mind just bowing your heads. I I feel like I was supposed to say some of you are in a situation right now where you really need to trust God more than you normally have. You're on a line. It's like between I'm going to take care of this. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's like self-talk trying to make it all happen. And what I want you to do is just say, God, I don't know if it's going to be okay. But I'm going to put this in your hands. And my anxiety levels are going to go way down because I can't do anything about it. And I need to trust you more. If, if, if you just know your faith needs to grow to walk through this situation you're in, would you just wave your hand at God? Okay. Lord, I thank you for brothers and sisters who acknowledge their need of you, their hope of your intervention, and the willingness to place their life in your hands. We are grateful for that. We ask you to to be there as they place their life fully in your hands. Help them to trust you with this and help them to think about that this week in every decision that they make. In your name we pray everyone said a big amen.